surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your time. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome to Dialogue with Divinity. This is Johanna Carroll, your host, and we're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Today I have an unusual guest, (laughs) something that I don't ordinarily do, but I really feel that she is the voice for our times and the voice for a new generation. And her name is Carrie Callaghan. She's an author of a new book called Alice, A-L-Y-S. And so I really feel that today we're going to be talking about a new kind of wonderland that she has imagined and written about. And so I want to tell you a little bit about her because I love her, her, her description of herself that she was born from ink and stardust enthusiastically pros and catalogs the world around her. She's driven by lots of questions. She's very curious, which I love. Of course, Alice in Wonderland and being curious in this new Alice is part of her genre also because she has a wonderful thing on her website called curiosity in a new and different way. So she reads, she cooks, she crafts, she games. This is a very eclectic kind of author. The book Alice is actually part of um, a series from what I understand. And it talks about a different space and time and maybe a different viewpoint of how we would think of Lewis Carroll's original Alice in Wonderland. So the thing that I really love about her curiosity is that she brings in the supernatural. She's super eclectic. She's an adventurer of life. She's a writer, singer, works for Disney. And she's taken the concept of time, and as we know, from a metaphysical viewpoint and a spiritual viewpoint, this is something we really are all taking a look at right now. So she takes this book, Alice, and her character, and there's lots of metaphors of fear and time and believing and facing our demons in a contemporary, relevant, very relevant presentation. So first of all, Carrie Callaghan, welcome to our show, Dialogue with Divinity. 
Well, thank you so much, Joanne. I, I don't know how to deal with such a wonderfully complimentary introduction. Well, this is who you really are. So we're just telling the world all about you. The thing that I'm really curious, first of all, um, I love the fact that Alice's last name is Carol, which is my ego saying, oh, wow, she's <laughs> yeah, got there the you same go. last name as me. <laughs> and, you know, I also love the fact that, for those of you I'm sure already know, that this was actually uh, Lewis Carroll was a pseudonym for a very famous English mathematician known as Charles uh, Dotson. And so he really, so many, many centuries ago, delved into the whole mysterious concept of time. So I guess my first question to you before we go to our first break very briefly is what inspired you? Where did this come from? I mean, I think a lot of people get information channeled or through a dream state, but where does this whole concept of doing Alice in a whole brand new genre show up for you? Well, Alice in Wonderland was really important to me as a kid in that it was basically like, look, the adult world is crazy. And it's not going to make a lot of sense, even when you grow up, and that's fine. And that brought me a lot of comfort as a kid. And then, unfortunately, I had the misfortune of losing my brother in 2013 to depression and suicide. And this was sort of me creating a version for the me now of, okay, life is confusing and upsetting. And what do I need from this world that used to give me so much comfort? Do you feel that you are Alice in this book? Was this your own personal reflection? Were you speaking for her or were you speaking for yourself? Um, no, I think a lot of it's her. I mean, there's a there's a conversation that happens near the end that I won't give any spoilers about, um, where she has an opportunity to sort of speak with this friend she loses. But other than that, it's it's very much not me. Well, let's tell everybody. I'm going to read the synopsis that you sent me because I think this is really interesting. Following her best friend's suicide, Allison Carroll descends into the realm of dreams and nightmares in her quest to find home sort of like a little bit of clicking the red shoes, she discovers that Charlie might not truly be gone after all. And then she meets Oswin, the prince of Terra Mira. So Terra Mira is Terra Mira. Tell us a little bit. It's a different face of Wonderland. How did you get the the descriptive language, which is really you've got telling everyone about Tyramon, because this is really about, okay, coming you're going to face your own fears. She's got the nightmare queen. I mean, really and truly, this should be a movie. I hope it happens for you. And so there's a surrender that she does as far as the world of dreams. And this is, you know, there's sort of a dark energy here that's going on. So tell me a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about Tyramon. Well, Terramiram itself is actually supposed to be an, a physical location you can go to where our subconscious travels when, you know, we dream or whatnot. And then you have these people called the dreamers that essentially have a little bit more control over this world. Um, and Alice finds she's one of these. And essentially what I wanted to sort of deal with was that strange path you go on when you go through a loss and that grief and that loss of self and how it kind of... You, a part of you just dies and you almost sort of have to refine yourself every time you lose something of that magnitude. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to further talk about Tira Miram. This is Johanna Carroll, host of Dialogue with Divinity on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. While walking along Kanapali Beach in Maui this past year, I kept discovering all these shells and coral in the shape of hearts. My Dialogue with Divinity was very simple. Do you want me to do a retreat to heal people's hearts in Maui next year? And of course, the answer was yes. As a master spiritual teacher, I am offering you a neat retreat called RISE, May 8th through the 12th, 2017, and the chance of a lifetime to rest at a five-star resort for five days 
and experience a spiritual renewal of your heart and soul. Kanapali is one of the top five beaches in the world. This stunning resort has undergone a $40 million renovation. I walked the entire property, checked out the room choices on your behalf, and I must say it is stunning. Our conference room faces the ocean with sliding glass doors. Maui is known as Mother Maui because it is a soft, gentle, healing energy. In the embrace of Mother Maui, you will feel yourself rising from the limitations of an ordinary life to an extraordinary journey of peace, bliss, and harmony, a greater sense of clarity. Our Rise Retreat ignites renewal in the sacred elements of air, water, earth, fire, and wind. There's plenty of free time to enjoy all that Maui has to offer. A small deposit is required now to reserve your space as this retreat, it will sell out. For more details, please go to johannacarroll.com and register today. Aloha, and I'll see you in mystical Maui. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Welcome back. This is Johanna Carroll, and you are listening to Dialogue with Divinity on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Our guest today is a very unique young lady, by the, and I hope she doesn't mind that I call her young, but everybody to me is young. <laughs> um, and we're talking about uh, Carrie Callaghan's new book called Alice, A-L-Y-S, which you can find on Amazon.com. Before we went to break, Carrie, we were talking a little bit about that Tira Miram is actually... It's a it's a place. It's an environment, and yeah. that um, there are certain people within this world that have control over the world. So, would you say that they are spiritual seekers on a quest who are understanding their ability to control things? Um, to some extent, it's more of um, Tara Miram doesn't want these people actually physically entering their world because they can create a lot of trouble. It's much like when you decide like when you realize you're having a dream and it becomes a little bit more lucid and you're like, Oh, I can take control of things, but it doesn't always necessarily go exactly how you plan, even though you have control over it. <laughs> so the when you talk about that, what made you create a Tira Miram in terms of a chronicle? Cause you keep calling it, um, you're referring it to as a chronicle. So is this going to be a series? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it's chronicling, <laughs> you know, basically the journey. Is that correct? It's it's really chronicling this world and its interaction with. Um, there's also fairies. I pull a little bit from Midsummer Night's Dream by William Shakespeare as well, and how that interacts with the dream world. And you're going to have a bunch of uh, next year. I'm supposed to be releasing the second installment. I don't really want to call it book two um, because it's not quite linear, but uh, the second installment of another tale of this world. So because Lewis Carroll, pseudonym Lewis Carroll use the whole concept of time. I know the cover of your book has got this beautiful kind of antique uh, watch on it. So 
so this Alice, I don't want to give the whole story away, but this does this <laughs> Alice fall down the rabbit hole or does this Alice move, merge into time? What's the concept there? So time does not really play quite so much a factor in this one. The, the actual pocket watch is something that is referred to as a Coolidge clock. And I'm not going to actually tell you too much about it because I don't want to give it away. Um, but later you find out to some extent it's used to um, travel to and from our world and Terramirum. And the reason it's called the Coolidge clock is after Samuel Taylor Coolidge, who will also play a part later in the story. Um, but he's got this beautiful poem that really inspired me. Um, forgive me while I butcher it, but it's essentially what if you slept and what if in your dream, in your sleep you dreamed and you went to heaven and there you found a beautiful flower. And when you awoke, you found that flower in your hand. Ah, what then? Um, and this idea of, of the dream world kind of transcending into reality and sort of that's where that clock came from. <laughs> that's very beautiful. So let me ask you, uh, aside from Alice speaking for her and yourself at the same time, what is your concept of time and in terms of how you wove it into your story, aside from, you know, all these other great authors that you sort of drew inspiration from, have you ever had any experiences yourself that took you into that timelessness in the in-between worlds, as you call them? Well, I feel like memory and dreams in themselves are very timeless. It's a sort of our own personal way of time traveling where you can very much be convinced you are back somewhere else and then you wake up and you realize oh apparently that was all in my head but there's still that emotional part of you that knows no I was there so you were there having an experience so yeah you're in speaking with your publisher she shared some things with me and not that I'm putting you on the spot or anything but I guess I am so I know that you're very much into the whole uh concept of the steampunk energy yes and so can you explain to people that have never heard that expression before, what does that really mean to you personally? Um, well, steampunk as a, as a genre in general is really more of a flavor, in my opinion, than it is an actual, like, full out. It's not quite like fantasy. It's, it's something you add on. Um, but it's essentially, if you had a world pre-industrial revolution where you never fully got beyond steam-powered engines or clockwork, and I chose really that sort of flavor for this because I figured if you have dreams and time and this sort of context, of course it would run on clocks. So you'd have all these different clockwork machinery and that's how this world would run. So when in reading about steampunk before we got you on the air, because I wanted to educate myself a little bit because I am also <laughs> very curious, um, there was a whole uh, reference there that it was a form of cyberpunk on some level. So can you, can you tell us well, a little bit what does that really mean? What does cyberpunk really mean? I, I'm curious. Well, cyberpunk is a little different. They, they're, they're not, they're actually two separate flavors. Cyberpunk is more pulling from the idea of, it, it tends to be a more futuristic aesthetic. You're going towards this idea of everything's run by computers and wires and people are doing like mm -hmm. genetic enhancements and basically sort of cyborg-esque things um, to sort of elevate themselves and become you know, more towards an evolved future or, or as that aesthetic sees itself as an evolved future. Whereas steampunk is a bit more sepia-toned, I guess I would, I would put it, uh, where you're just more in the past and okay. it's a little bit right. about advancing humanity in a much different sort of way. So does it give you give us a new new vision of how we look at life if we were in Tiramiram? I know it's a dream state. I know it's an alternate reality, which a lot of people have experienced in many different genres through the paranormal, the supernatural, mysticism, uh, doing the whole retreat at the ashram, that kind of thing, uh, fasting, all of that. You know, it really gets us in this altered state. So. In terms of, the, the, is there a sci-fi feature that also takes us into this alternate reality within your book? Um, I'm sorry, I'm not entirely sure I understand the question. Well, from what I understand about um, steampunk, it's got a little bit of a sci-fi feature to it. It's sort of an yeah. alternate, and a little alternative way of looking at history, little neo-Victorian, that kind of thing. 
So whenever anyone is having a new perception of a new reality, there's lots of ways they can get there, right? Um, Correct. They can do it through drugs. They can do it through alcohol. <laughs> they can do it through a lot of addictive things. They can also do it through a lot of healthy things, you know, a deep, profound sense of meditation or going on a retreat or, you know, being very committed to a yoga practice. So do you look at the journey of Tira Miram as another alternate reality that people can travel to through what, you know, you're, you're giving it a lot of texture, as you say. You're giving it a lot of color. So in terms mm -hmm. of people that are listening right now, a lot of people are on a journey looking for something different. And so if someone were to read the book, Alice, what would mm -hmm. they get as far as understanding their own alternate reality as being a reflection? In other words, the book is reflecting something back to them. Is there a lesson in this book for people? Oh, God, I hope it's hope. <laughs> More ah. than anything, I really hope that it's hope because there's something, I mean, I grew up around depression a lot. I've, I'm the only one in my family who miraculously is not afflicted with it. And um, I've seen these nightmares and this inner voice just completely destroy people from the inside out. And I really, I really would like people to leave that knowing that there is literally not a single nightmare in the world that isn't worth conquering or standing up to. That's and, beautiful. That's really wonderful. You know, I, I've been doing spiritual counseling for over 30 years. And if someone were to say to me, you know, what's your what's your product? I would say it, it's hope. And it really is. Oh. You know, I, when someone hangs up the phone from me, um, it is my intention that through the guidance or the energy that comes through from the other side in an alternate reality, maybe in my own world of Tira Miram, that, you know, they get to have more hope that, you know, life can be better. And, you know, with everything that we've gone through, particularly in the States recently with the election and whatnot, and I don't want to really get into a political discussion. No, no, you're you're fair, but it's terrifying what's going on right now. And Well, there's a real divisive energy. Hope. We need hope. <laughs> we need hope. So you're from a much younger generation than I am, and I feel that you guys have a voice that the elders, you know, my generation uh, from the 1960s, you know, we were part of the women's movement. We were part of the whole um, thing about, you know, women really getting equal pay, all of that, not to make men bad or anything like that. But it was a real, you know, it was a Vietnam War. There was a real, yeah. the talk about time. So you talk about this pendulum swinging and it went to an extreme. We had to go to radical measures for the consciousness of the time to really go through a shift. At the time, you know, everyone said, well, you're anti-establishment. And we weren't really anti-establishment. We really, <laughs> we just wanted change and evolution and things to move forward. So well, the establishment the, was against you. So essentially it was, no, we just want the establishment to be better. I don't know if it was necessarily against us. It just wasn't working for us. So, you know, it's all about yeah. adjusting time, consciousness, perceptions, and all of that. So here you are, you know, writing this book. By the way, when was your book released? Re in October, right? October, yeah. So okay. It's a newbie. It's a newbie. And uh, from what I understand from your publisher, you're doing extremely well. So congratulations on that. By the way, for Thank those you. of you that are listening or you just kind of jumped in, uh, this is Johanna Carroll on the Exxon Broadcast Network. And we're speaking with Carrie Calligan who wrote an interesting new twist on things. The, the name of her book is Alice, A-L-Y-S, and you can find that on Amazon.com. So in terms of, you know, your generation looking like we did, you know, how many, I don't even want to count how many years ago, wanting to affect <laughs> change, how do you see your generation doing it differently? Um a lot of parallels to be honest I mean people talk about like oh you know there's more protests there's more yelling and I'm like no I mean we've we've kind of always done it this way I mean there's a mix of peaceful and less so protesting there's people speaking out and we can actually share information faster I mean there's people writing blog posts and it's getting shared and retweeted and I feel like most of the time I get my news faster via Twitter than I do actual news sites anymore I really think, you know, in terms of um, this new cyber generation that we have, it's really fabulous. However, 
and this is sort of aside from the book and everything, it's talk. let's talk a little bit about what I refer to as the law of discernment. We're just going to touch this on this briefly, and then we're going to jump to break in about a minute or so. So the law of discernment says, I know how to filter things. I know what belongs to me, what belongs to the universe, what belongs to someone else. So in terms of social media and, you know, the new, the way news travels in this generation, how do we know, how do we really discern what's real and what's not real? What's fake and what's real? Well, I feel like that comes back to just exercising curiosity and actually like not just hearing something and taking it for face value, but doing a little bit more delving yourself, which I feel is kind of the same as when you just used to hear a rumor from someone, you know, maybe, maybe ask around a bit, read a bit before you pass it on to the next person to be a word of mouth. Okay, that's good. So do you think the younger generation, you know, I hope you're not insulted, but I'm calling you younger, but you know, I probably could be your grandma. You're not insulted. (laughs) So I just want to know, does the younger generation feel that the generation, because I really do feel that we kind of carry the torch as far as the women go, he's kind of trying to light the way in a better way. We'll be right back. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at... Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money in abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. 
And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life has no meaning, let the fun of dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying... Hi, everybody. Welcome back. This is Johanna Carroll. The show you are listening to is Dialogue with Divinity on the Exxon Broadcast Network. I'd like to share with you that our show offers a variety of hosts that will pique your body, mind, and your spirit. So if you'd like a listing of our shows, please go to xzbn.net. And for myself personally, to understand the work that I am doing, the books that I've written, the retreats that I'm offering, the training that I'm offering, you can find me at Johanna carol.com that's j-o-h-a-n-n-a-c-a-r-r-o-l-l.com so that being said carrie tell people how they can learn more about you i know you've got a website would you please share that with everybody that's listening yeah it's just kiriecalligan.com i'm actually very googleable so you can find me on twitter and youtube and a myriad of other things just by typing my name into google you definitely are the queen of social media i have to say <laughs> it's wonderful. And then the book, of course, Alice, A-L-Y-S, in my viewpoint, it's a new way of looking at Wonderland and life in a more contemporary and relevant way. And you can also find that on Amazon.com and also through your publisher, which is D-O-C-E-B-L-A-N-T.com. So before we went to break, we were talking about how the generations before you sort of carried the torch to light the way to enlightenment. It was kind of a dark time that we lived in. We had a lot of protests then. We had the Vietnam War going on. But, I, I you know, that was the past. That was then and this is now. There's a lot of a repetition that's happening around the women's movement, around young women really having a voice. And what do you feel is the message that your generation has adding to that voice that the people before you open the door to? Oh, well, <laughs> um, well, essentially, I mean, adding on to what's been said before, it's, it's also, I feel bringing in the intersectionality of, of racial relations as well. And when you talk about pay gap, it's not just women have, you know, this to the dollar. It's also that black women have less and uh, Latina women have less and, just looking at those numbers is unfortunately it's unfortunate and being able to acknowledge that gender goes beyond just what we initially thought of it in regards to our society and, and how we're treated and making it more inclusive and understanding intersectionality, I suppose. So when you say the gender, you know, goes beyond gender. So that was interesting. Do you really feel in terms of uh, Latina women and black women and women of other, you know, ethnicities, what is their struggle? What is their greatest fear and what is their greatest struggle at this time? Oh, I don't think I can speak to that. <laughs> I mean, I, I am, that's not my struggle and I, I wouldn't presume to use their voices or, or whatnot, but um, I feel like it's incredibly important. While I do have the privilege of, I am white, so while I may be disadvantaged because I'm a non-heterosexual uh, woman, I can at least like fully support using my white privilege to essentially be like, this is your voice. I'm going to amplify it. And I kind of think that's the whole point is, is basically using what privileges and, and whatnot you have to help people who don't have those particular privileges. And then hopefully in turn, someone who may have different privileges than you do will support your voice when you need it. You know, I really think I love, first of all, that you did a story with the main character being female. Not that I'm being a real true feminist here, but on some level I am. <laughs> um, and because I, you know, in the Aquarian age, metaphysically, we're living in what's called the age of ascension or the Aquarian age. So we're to rise up into a greater form of wholeness, which means there's no separation between anything, whether it's 
gender, uh, whether it's sexual orientation, whether it's, you know, your pink, purple, black, or, you know, whatever you are. And so in terms of that whole potpourri of the Aquarian age right now, I was very surprised to hear from a lot of my um, clients who are in that, you know, 40, 35, 40, 45 age range that the glass ceiling is still very much a part of corporate America. And they're pretty much still banging their heads against that. So in terms of Alice and what she bangs her head against, you know, you got a lot of metaphors (laughs) in your book, a lot of metaphors and a lot of symbolism. So did you address that whole thing about that struggle about, you know, being heard, being seen, not being invisible, not, oh, you know, yeah, disappearing? Definitely. Okay, so I know I don't want to oh. give the whole book away, but can you talk about that You're a little fine. bit and, and why you thought that was important? Well, just going on the fact of, of I feel like, well, maybe not everybody wants to be looked at. Everybody wants to be seen. Like, you walk down the street and you can have a million people around you and still just feel completely alone. And I mean, maybe I'm just a bit too much of a hippie and I want us all to get our kumbayas on or whatnot and just love each other. But I feel like so much could be solved in this world with just, if we could manage to exercise a bit more curiosity about each other and empathy and being able to admit that we don't know everything and it's okay to fail and, it's not necessarily like the end of the world if you didn't manage to succeed in everything you thought you would. Well, you know, the thing of it is when you're my age, because I'm approaching 70, which I hate to admit, um, but it is a number. The reality is, you know, when I was 25, 35 years old, I definitely had a vision of what my life I thought was going to be. And, you know, this kind of goes back to this old religious saying, you know, man makes plans and and God laughs. So perceptually, (laughs) what I thought then and what the reality is and the fact that I allowed myself as a spiritual seeker to follow, you know, that journey through timelessness and the supernatural and being okay with that, I have to say the vision that I had then And the reality of what I have now is like probably 500% better. So in terms of, you know, we're all on a spiritual journey. We're all seeking. And I think the thing for everyone to remember is on some level, you will, there is a point that you arrive to a greater sense of awareness. And maybe the journey isn't quite so crazy and you don't feel like you have to burst through a glass ceiling, but you create your own, you create your own treetop. So in terms of the symbolism that you used in the book, what, what's the recurring symbols from a spiritual, in my language, perspective or supernatural from yours that you used? Um, well, there's definitely the idea that, that dreams are kind of this entrance in, into learning more about yourself as well as what we lock away and that it's a lot harder to suppress something than just to accept it and move on. And it's exhausting to try and just cover something up rather than to just face it head on and be like, yeah, this is going to hurt for a while and it's going to suck, but I kind of got to get through it or I'm always going to be in this exact same place. In terms of you growing up and around uh, an environment that you were faced with looking at depression and that heavy energy, how did it inspire you? What was the torch that you carried? I mean, obviously, you're a voice right now. The book is doing extremely well. You know, there's a a spiritual teaching that says there's a spiritual rebel born in every family. And they're there to, they really are there to illuminate awareness. And some of it, you know, you're illuminating the darkness. You're illuminating the things that people are afraid of. Sometimes that works really well for the spiritual rebel and people follow your lead your illumination or they just say i'm not i'm not doing that so it's for for you growing up around that what did it show you that inspired you i mean you're to me you're a very happy person i love the color of your hair by the way i think it's fabulous you You know you're unique you're different you're dancing to your own song you know and and following your own light of illumination how did you, as a spiritual rebel in your family, was there a time that you felt like you had to rescue everybody? 
Um, yeah, actually, that's kind of something that I have worked through is this, this feeling of needing to white knight everything. And at some point you have to come to the conclusion. Um, this isn't in regards to family members, but I've run into other people who've, who've sort of seen that empath nature and, and were like, oh, well, you can save me. And coming to the realization um, that you can't save someone who doesn't want to be saved uh, it's kind of the worst. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I know this is a really emotional subject for you, so I apologize if I'm uh, no, bringing fine. up that um, kind of an issue for you. I think it's important no, just, it means- to hear, though, because when you're an empath, why don't you explain to everybody that's listening what your sense of being an empath really is and how you handle it on a daily basis? Um, you tend to pick up on people's energies a lot easier. Um, sometimes being in a crowd is extremely overwhelming just because you feel all these different, um, like, cruiser shopping is the worst. Um, I, I, don't, I don't go out to malls um, because you have all that anxious energy and it's just draining. Um, but at the same time, you usually, like, can kind of get a sense. One-on-ones are great. Like, just being able to listen to someone and kind of be able to sort of, um, there's this, uh, this term that used to be used, I want to say back in like medieval England called the sin eaters. Say it again. Essentially like you, the uh, sin eaters, I believe is what it's called. Okay. Um, and essentially what you would do is, is they would come and they would basically um, talk you through troubles. And it was, it was kind of prior to all of the, you know, the typical, like, Oh, you must confess to a priest kind of thing, but it was <laughs> essentially, so you could go relax and basically, you know, end in peace of, of, of your life just because you've, you've had this, you've given someone else your pain who can process it differently for you. And I kind of see that as, as just what people like that do of if you want to talk with someone and you want to be that, that good source of energy in their life. And sometimes that works for the best. And then sometimes people take advantage of it, but I don't know. I, I don't think I'd trade it regardless. Well, but here's the thing. I'm sure a lot of people have said to you that you're really sensitive. And some people will say, oh, that, you know, you shouldn't be so sensitive. I mean, I can't, I've heard that for so many years. But my how, response how do you to that. stop that? That's what I've always wanted to ask people. Well, how here's, one stop being I'm going to give you the response that I, because I, I was just talking to a client about this the other day. When someone says to you, you're so sensitive. My response is, you know what? For me personally, I'm really glad I'm sensitive because it means I have a heightened level of awareness. I'm compassionate. I really care for me personally it allows me to do a really good job. So for you being an empath, you know, there's a teaching that I have that I've said many times on this show and I'll say it one more time. What belongs to the universe, what belongs to other people, that's not your job. What belongs to you, that's discernment. You know, what belongs to the universe, the world at large or other people, that doesn't need your attention. What needs attention is is what belongs to you personally. However, being an empath is being sensitive and being aware, but it's not a negative thing. So the awareness allows you to have the discernment like, okay, I can navigate through this crowd and I'm not going to let any of this touch me or absorb me. The other thing is as far as being in service to humanity, it's really not your job to heal the whole world. I hate to tell you that, but I tried that. No, no, I I understand that. It's just sort of, I've it's kind of taken it and that's what's gone into my art is just like whether I'm singing or I'm writing and basically being a voice for someone who may not feel comfortable expressing what they need to tell and just that's that's my goal is just to tell those stories and, and try to make people feel heard even if they're not using their own voice. Good. We're gonna hold that thought, we'll be right back. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.x.com. 
xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. What Happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. This is the last segment of our show, Dialogue with Divinity, on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. I am your host, Johanna Carroll. We've been having a very unique and interesting conversation with Carrie Callaghan, who's written Alice, A-Y-A-L-Y-S. She talks about Alice Carroll, who she goes to this incredible place, sort of the in-between world. And for those of you that have ever been faced with depression or fears or anything that's paralyzing you, 
we all seem to have a journey to this in-between world. So, Carrie, before we went to break, we were talking about um, being an empath and that you have done something very transformative. You take that energy that some people might find overwhelming and you have transformed it into your creative projects. So, you know, there's this wonderful spiritual teaching that says that when we are in the in the creative self, we are in the divine self. So you've got oh, like so that. many things that you're doing. You're very eclectic. You're a singer, um, a writer, obviously. I, I saw the thing about you learning how to cook. And I mean, you're just a wonderful <laughs> product of your generation. So oh, thank you. in channeling your negative energy, What's your favorite, if you were to say to anybody that's listening right now that maybe is faced with their own depression or coming out of a negative situation, either personally or professionally, and we talked about in the very beginning that, you know, hope is the, hope is the, is the candle that you can follow. It's, it's a light you can follow. So what's a hopeful message, first of all, that's in your book, and second of all, that you yourself personally use in your everyday life? Um, oh goodness. Uh, well, in the book, I guess I, I would reiterate the fact that there's literally not a single nightmare out there that isn't worth conquering, that you're not bigger than, um, because really when it comes down to it, um, it, it came from you. So therefore it has to be lesser than you. Um, I mean, imagination is a great thing, but it's also the worst. Sometimes I like to call it the beauty and the tragedy of what if, um, <laughs> because it's where, it's really where, you know, your best ideas come from. It's like, oh, what if there's a world where dreams are actually people? And, you know, that's great. But it's also, oh, what if uh, my insurance, I forgot to pay it? Or what if this happens and I get fired from my job and you go down the spiral of anxiety? So it's just, it's it's a, both our greatest ally and our, and our worst enemy. But at the same time, it comes from you. And so therefore, you have to be able to conquer it because you still are its creator. That's true. And then as far as your primary belief about hope and yourself in your personal world? What does that look like for you? Uh, I mean, I guess it's somewhat on the same vein. It's just a matter of it has to get better. I mean, by probability alone, you have to be able to get through it because you can only go down for so long. But and what I about would, your, I would like your to... okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt Oh, no, you. no, by all means. Sorry. So I guess the other part of that is your generation. If, you know, if I were to say, okay, guess what? Right now you are the voice for your generation. You know, we've opened the door, we've lit the path and sometimes it gets dark and the candle blows out. And yet, you know, we all kind of trudge along. What would the voice of your generation in terms of, consciousness shifting and looking at the world to be a hopeful and a better place. What, what's the main thing that people really are striving to achieve? What they're striving to achieve. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would like to, I mean, not to beat a dead horse here, but I would, I would really like to believe that curiosity is something that we are encouraging every day, not just with this generation, but like the younger crowds where you've got like, literally they're just coming into the world and a lot of their toys are more geared towards exploring and education and encouraging people to literally have curiosity about everything around them because that's really what's going I mean you can't have a prejudice against something if you actually know what it is you know you can't prejudge it if you know it so well and it all comes from the, the experience you know I for myself I've always had cultural curiosity and yeah. so which is odd because I was raised in a very strict uh, New England kind of upbringing. And, but I was always very culturally curious. So well, that's, that, that, that kind of makes you your own spiritual rebel, doesn't it? Like you were talking about. It's oh like my God, you, you have no idea. And now <laughs> <laughs> you have no I idea. might, I was raised Mormon, so I might. <laughs> okay. So you can relate. So, you know, I went to Catholic grammar school, high school, part of college, you know, it's very, you know, you follow the rules, you do it a certain way. So yeah, you and I can relate to that. However, I will tell you <laughs> that my cultural curiosity 
first started with, um, I, I was very privileged on some level that we lived near some really amazing art galleries in Connecticut. Um, music was very, very much part of the culture back then. So, you know, as young kids, we went to this thing called the Pops concerts and stuff like that. But then as I got older, that cultural curiosity started to be about different religions and what that represented. And then that expanded into virtual cultures of people in other lands. So started doing a lot of traveling and spiritual retreats that I started offering to people in these different sacred sites around the world. So for those of you that are listening, we are in a nine in the Tibetan system of numerology. This is a nine year. This is called the year of the spiritual brotherhood, which is so interesting when we see all the things that are happening not just politically, but Standing Rock and all, all of these communities coming together in a way they never have before, by the way. So the tribal culture, the tribal culture of the indigenous peoples globally are coming together. The tribal culture of women coming together. Men are taking a look at their lives and the culture, meaning, you know, their jobs or professions or family in a brand new way. So even though it may seem like a lot of this is nightmarish, there really is hope to transition and transform all of those old paradigms into a new way of belief and thought. So in terms of your generation and my generation and all the generations in between, <laughs> I always look at it like a string of pearls. So symbolically for me, pearls have always represented wisdom. And the string is what connects one lifetime to another so it's you know even with alice it's a continuum of a journey our reincarnation it's a continuum of a journey um as we age and go into different you know facets of our of our own journey on the earth you know it's another pearl that we add so in terms of your achievement first of all i really want to congratulate you i think the book is really oh, needed you. right now we need to revisit we need to revisit the old stories in a new way and make them relevant for the time that we're living in, which you really have accomplished beautifully. And in terms of, <laughs> you know, being an empath for yourself, I mean, I think it's allowed you to be highly creative and very sensitive and to tap in to the spiritual rebelnessness <laughs> that, you know, is inherently part of, of who you are. So in terms of, Let's go over this again. The name of the book is Alice, A-L-Y-S. Her last name is Carol, C-A-R-R-O-L-L. -L. Did you intentionally do that to honor Lewis Carroll? Oh, of course. <laughs> well, I thought you did it to honor me. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. No, it's totally all about you, Joanna. I'm so oh, sorry. Of course, I know. We didn't even know each other back then. Um, and so because the Chronicles are, it's a series, do you, when is the next mm -hmm. a piece of this coming out? Uh, 2017. I have nearly finished the manuscript. I'll be sending it off to Jose Blant, which is my publisher, and we'll be seeing it sometime next year. Do you think that you have any um, hope for this becoming some kind of a series, either on television or in film in some way, as a learning tool for people? I mean, that would be amazing, but more than anything, I feel like as long as it just gets to someone and they feel a little less alone and they feel a little more armed for the day and maybe just maybe, you know, talk to someone if they're having suicidal ideation or, or something along those lines. If it just one person, I will be happy. It's one, you know, when you touch the light of one person's soul, you illuminate the whole room. You really do. And so, you know, we're in a season that there is, we actually had a depression and anxiety expert on a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, this is a, this is a tough time of the year. So those of you that are listening, it's important to look at what is good, what is positive, where you do have hope for the future. And, you know, we really want to thank you very much, Carrie, for being here and wish you really continued success with your, oh, thank you. your chronicles and your series and your book. And I hope to see it in film again soon. Oh, so thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you. So um, I wanted to tell everyone about some new things that I Johanna, am promoting. So you can go to my website again, Johanna K 
Carroll, C-A-R-R-O-L-L.com. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network and for a listing of all of our shows, and by the way, all of our archive shows as well, it's xzbn.net. So we want to tell you that, you know, for those of you who maybe want a change, a shift, a perspective, you want to actually spread the love and some hope for the future. For many years, I've been teaching a program called Get Psyched. It's an intuitive development training program that basically is 30 years of everything that I've been inspired to do, learned uh, from the other side and from credible instruction uh, advanced teachers here on the earth. So it's called Get Psyched Intuitive Development Training. So I encourage you to take a look at that and also to really consider giving yourself a big treat and attending our retreat in Maui next year, which is going to be working with the five elements. So we want to thank all of you for listening. This is Dialogue with Divinity. I am your host, Johanna Carroll, and we will see you again soon in the future and wish you all a beautiful and blessed day filled with hope for your dreams to come true. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.